0: In three, two, one. John, are we live? (laughs) We are live, sir.
1: John and I are already giggling because it's a first for uh, Wheelhouse History. I mean, this is episode 14 or 15? 14, I believe. 14? Yep. We made 14 before we got ditched, um, kind of. Um, We had two guests booked today. They were in the same industry. We're going to talk a lot about UFC, uh, jiu-jitsu. One of the gentlemen just couldn't make it, and the other one did have a family emergency, so um, I hope the family is doing well, but this is a first for Wheelhouse, because we don't have any guests, and it was kind of like a last minute. Very Um, last. People didn't show up, so um, it's going to be John and I chatting with you guys a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give you guys some tips about uh, kind of motivation business ownership. I just wrote an article about it, so I'm a little passionate about it. But this might end up being fun, John. It might just be me and you kind of bullshitting.
0: I know, just hanging out. I already um, cracked a beer. And
1: then, um, oh shit, I should grab a beer. It's in our little cooler. It um, is. But um, ask us questions. You know, I love, you know, kind of you guys asking me any, any sorts of questions. As John questions, we For- um, will answer whatever PG 13 ish. Don't go too rated Ish. R. I see Johnny's watching, so that could be rated R. <laughs> uh, Dylan's watching. Maggie's watching. So, um, yeah, so for those of you watching, it's going to be me and John today because obviously, as I said, our guests couldn't make it. We got a kick butt show next week. <laughs> How's your yes, weekend? Man. Actually, before your weekend, how was uh, Gaming for Green? So, Gaming for Green was last
0: Thursday, and it I was. know you're
1: very passionate about it. You were dealing some cards on Gaming for Green. How was that?
0: It was fun. I was dealing Blackjack, uh, had a full table, a lot of table wins. Uh, the the shoes were good Uh, but the whole the whole event was fantastic we had a packed house 600 people plus through the door Uh, massive poker tournament all kinds of drinks and cigars and so on and so forth great food uh gallery mark gallery and marchetti Marchetti. yeah fantastic place They, they do a great job over there so i don't know if you've been but i would I would suggest it for, if you get invited to any kind of an event, go check it out. Yeah,
1: it's a cool venue. I have been. It's a very, very cool venue, and uh, I'm bummed I missed it. I was feeling pretty sick last week. Um, I was going to come and try to steal all the chips. And <laughs> try to try to bribe you into giving me extra <laughs> chips so I can win that thing. But, um, yeah, um, we did Windy City Smokeout on Saturday night, which was packed. It's crazy. The Windy City Smokeout, two years ago, was like a ghost town there's nobody there and then last year it got busy and this year it sold out and it was wow. jam-packed i feel like you we, you and i were laughing that i put up the post with me and sean we said we're brown cowboys i've been a country music fan for a little while but i feel like country music and country flavor and country food has mm-hmm. kind of become a big thing in chicago absolutely you see a lot of those bars popping up um kind of that southern feel my buddy florian shout out to him i'm gonna see him in a little bit um, you know, he opened up uh, that restaurant draw with some partners, and oh, that yeah. place is awesome. It's amazing. We must go. Um, but I feel like that southern kind of country flavor has become a big thing. And obviously, people love festivals, so there's a lot of food, um, a lot sure. of drinks, and some good bands. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Good deal. Um, big thanks to Chicago Agent Magazine. They did their Who's Who. I'm very honored and feel very, very blessed. They picked me uh, two uh, years now.
0: I was actually. Funny you mentioned that. I'm going to put something on the screen. Uh-oh. I was going to surprise you. That was going to be my shout-out of the day. I was going to keep oh. it in-house and uh, let everybody know. So I read the article. It's awesome. Of course, I get, I've gotten to know you for the last several years. Uh, you work incredibly hard. And it's nice to see people get recognition. And I wasn't able to uh, get the article blown up so people could read it off their computer screen. But alongside of the article, I put the whole link. So I'm going to leave it up there for a little bit. Very so cool. if people want to, and or either right now or after our massive show, yeah, our massive show <laughs> with just me and you right now, um, if they want to go back, oh, and very cool. In, click Thank you, buddy. Absolutely, you, That's deserve, very nice you of deserve you deserve a shout out.
1: That's Absolutely. nice of you. I always say you have the coolest shout-outs. You may have had the coolest one ever today. <laughs> no, big thank you um, to Chicago Agent Magazine. Um, they do an incredible job over there. Um, they showcase realtors really well. Their events are amazing. And um, I they're just awesome. Marcy over there, um, if Marcy, if you're watching, thank you so much for everything you and the staff does. It was a great event. It was at 1000M last night from 6 to 8.00. Uh, really cool building. They had a a, uh, a unit you could tour, a, uh, a unit you could take a look at. And it's a really cool building off of Michigan Avenue. So we had a lot of fun. Went Are they still bu- building?
0: Is it yeah, yeah, yeah. Still it's in Still,
1: build? still. Uh, they're still taking people, and you can still buy units there. But really cool building. Um, that was a lot of fun. Tomorrow, big shout out to the YPN. I'm the chairperson of the board. We have an amazing board this year, the Chicago Association of Realtors, YPN. We have our white party tomorrow. And this is actually a great uh, platform. Now I can shout this out now that we don't have guests today. Um, <laughs> it's a white party, but you don't have to wear all white. So we were starting to get some people saying, oh, well, I don't man, have a white man. outfit. I went to Suit Supply, and I, I got a white outfit. I got a white outfit, and I got a uh, surprise when it comes to my shoes. But you do not have to wear all white. So for people who are saying I would come but for the fact that I have no white outfits or all white outfits, wear something white, but come. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's at Fremont tomorrow. And um, everything we do at the YPN goes to charity. So when we raise money, we're raising money for different charities. There's going to be a couple different charities from the YPN fund that are going to benefit from everything we're raising money for. So we all donate our time. We put on some incredible events. Um, the breakfasts are very in, you know, informative. They teach people a lot of things about real estate, lending, but the fun events like the kickoff, the summer mixer, all of these things, we put them on to engage realtors, get them to work with one another. I feel like in the real estate industry especially, sometimes people get way too aggressive with one another. And just being able to be around one another, get to know one another well, uh, creates a better working environment. Sure. So. We have that as part of our mission, and obviously the other mission is charitable. So show up tomorrow, at Fremont. It's going to be a lot of fun. I will be in a full white outfit, um, <laughs> and then uh, we'll go out afterwards. Obviously, mm-hmm. and have a good time. So actually, if you got a white outfit, or if you don't, you should show up. We're gonna we're gonna go out for a little bit afterwards too.
0: I will. I'll take a look at my closet and see if I still have my old John Travolta, staying alive. Situation. Oh, yeah? Yeah, gonna, like, I don't. I don't. I don't. am kidding. <laughs> so we got Like I
1: said, you guys can make comments, and we'll chat with you guys. Maggie said, Mo, we missed you. I missed you guys, too. John's the best dealer. Apparently, for people playing, he's the best dealer, not for I, the house. Well, you know. but You, you give it, then uh, take it away. Lawrence, he said, LOL. I was joking. I do have a white outfit. So now I expect you there. But you weren't the only one, Lawrence. There was a lot of people who... Just were reaching out and saying, well, what do I do without a white outfit? And I was telling people, show up. But you don't only want to be the only person without a white outfit. But a lot of people are going to show up without white outfits, so you will be okay.
0: I'm mostly interested in the shoes. I, I don't want to give them away, but they're all cool right. shoes. So
1: I went to Suit Supply. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been to Suit Supply, every guy there is looks like a male model. And they are all really well-dressed. So okay. if you want to feel really bad about how... You're dressed, uh, <laughs> go, go to Suit Supply. But they do a really nice job of picking out stuff for you. I love the way their stuff fits. So shout out to them. I used to get custom clothing. I won't name from where, but my stuff would tear. It just like I, we had an ongoing joke that I would tear pants every like six months. Wow. Um, and Suit Supply stuff is much less expensive. I'm built like a T Rex. So I got these like short little arms, big neck, uh, big chest. So I don't fit into off the rack stuff. Suit Supply stuff looks like it's custom. It's mm-hmm. a third of the price of anything custom really and you can get normal outerwear so i went there and i said guys i got a white party i need a white outfit can you guys hook me up so hook me up with a cool white outfit and i'm like what do i do for my shoes i can't wear like brown shoes i can't mm-hmm. wear sandals what do i do and uh they brought out a pair of shoes and i'm like i'm not buying those because i'm only gonna wear them once." i was like i'm never gonna buy those right and then he put it near a bunch of suits he's like you could wear it with this you can wear it with that i'm like you could pull that off. Yeah. I don't know if I can, but he talked me into it, so I got cool shoes for tomorrow.
0: Okay. You don't have to give more details, but I do expect to see lots of pictures.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, photos.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, the women, is it all is the same thing, head to toe, all white?
1: It, I mean, it can be. Uh, to, to be honest, I think most people, I think women probably have more white outfits than guys do, like full white. Um, yeah. but I think our board is probably going to show up in all white, but I don't think everybody has to be in white. So show okay. up, it's going to be a couple hours, it's going to be fun, and then I typically go out afterwards. So What's forward. the address? It's at Fremont. It's off Illinois. Um, so okay. it's in Streeterville, right off Illinois. Yeah. Very good. I don't know the exact address. I can actually put the link for tickets in the comment section. So if anybody wants to buy tickets, sure. they can. So um, yeah. You said so charity,
0: right? Yeah, so every bit
1: of money that we raise goes to a charity. We put it in the YPN fund. We've done Boys and Girls Club last year. um, We did um, a charity that helped uh, place people who were homeless into um, into housing. Nice. We helped uh, buy furniture. We did a build-out for them. So it's called All Chicago. So every year we are picking different charities. We might go back to some old charities. We might spread it out. But throughout the year we raise a lot of money for charity. Great. Um, I think we're gonna be doing a trip to the Boys and Girls Club and hanging out with the kids again um a little bit later in the year. So um yeah, come. It helps us out a lot and obviously the more people that show up, the better it looks for our YPN. I'm the chair, so please come. Um <laughs> the the busier the event is, the better it obviously is for of of course. our board. Um and then um what do you got going on this
0: weekend? Uh this weekend. You know, it's funny, I don't know, I, off the top of my head, I don't know what we have. I, uh, gosh, Laymo. you got me on that one. I don't actually, I don't, know actually, I don't sure. even know what I'm doing I've this I've been weekend. working so much this week, it's like, I can't believe, it, it feels like it should still be Monday.
1: Yeah, i hope glad it's not. It's
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I know.
1: Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, we don't have a guest, and this is supposed to be a little bit more for entrepreneurs than anything, and we got a yes. lot of re- – I'm, I'm watching who's watching. It's a lot of realtors. I posted an article on my Facebook today, and, and thank you again to Chicago Agent Magazine. They featured it yesterday. It was an article I wrote that touched on motivation and then planning for success because coaching and training realtors for the last – you know, four or five years, and being in real estate for the last ten or so years, and in mm-hmm. business for ten years. What I've realized is I like a lot of business owners have ups and downs with my motivation. And what I watch when I watch agents lose motivation, some of them fall back on systems, and they um, have certain things they do that a pull them out of the ruts, and b when their motivation levels are low, those systems they've created and that consistency at least gets them through that. Because motivation, I tell everybody, isn't an endless supply. You know, I, if you took Bill Gates, he probably has bouts of low motivation. I mean, I cannot imagine any, everybody is always motivated, even a guy like Elon Musk. Motivations like the. Uh, if you play video games, I always uh, equate it to the the power bar in a video game. Sure. when it's really high, your character moving around. It's really you know quick and it's effective. And when it goes low, it kind of slows itself down. Um, so, I tell people when you have motivation, run with it. When you don't have motivation, fall back on you know, systems and put together level of consistency. For realtors, um, you know the twenty percent that produces eighty percent of your results in the eighty twenty rule is your lead generation. You have to have consistent. Methods of lead generation. You have to have systems. So, definitely have systems, and then break your goals down. I I I coach this a lot in my office, and I I do this with not just my law firm, with our tech startup, with Main Street, and then my own real estate business. If you have a goal and you set an annual goal and you write it down, you're only part of the way to being successful. You know, you can write a goal down, and that's great. You can even write a goal down and hold it up in front of your face every morning before you get out of bed and say, "This is my goal," and you might be a fraction more successful than the person that doesn't write their goals down. But if you don't break those goals down into what you have to do at least every week to do what I call winning the week, you just cannot be successful. Um, because you're gonna get to month six and be like, what do I have to do to catch back up? I'm a little bit behind. And you just, it's difficult to manage your goals on an annual basis. Example, if I told you guys I gotta lose 50 pounds and, I keep adding weight back on that I already lost. So soon enough, I'm going to get there again. But if I said I have to lose 50 pounds this year, you guys would look at me and say, that's a shit ton of weight to lose. But if I told you I had to lose a pound a week, you guys who know me well would say, don't go to Chipotle this week, dummy, and you'll probably lose a pound this week. Pound a week for 52 weeks is 52 pounds. It's the same thing with any goal. If you have a goal um, to make. X amount of money. You gotta figure out how many leads and how many sales you need to make that amount of money and then break it down into what you have to do every week to win the week. So if you win enough weeks, you end up winning the year. So if you got low motivation levels, know what you gotta do that week to win the week and just make sure you got systems in place to win the week, whether it's real estate, a totally different business, um, do what you got to do to win the week. Break your goals down and don't feel bad when you have low motivation levels. We all have it. I got it from time to time. There's days I wake up and I'm like, man, I'm not that motivated. I can't show that. I got to go to work and you know, be a leader. But don't feel bad when your motivation levels go down. Find what it takes in you to get those motivation levels back up and build systems for the times when your motivation levels are too low. We got some people who uh, are commenting now. I just got my ticket. You convinced me. Thank you, Johnny Roto. He's uh he's coming to the White Party. Awesome. I've been I've been bothering him to come. Lawrence has got a question for us. Sure. I got a philosophical question for you, Mo. I'm having a constant debate with myself on things. It says Seymour. Whoa, oh, oh, whoa, it's a long one. I gotta read it now. Oh boy. Thank you, Lawrence. It says sure. I'm having a constant debate with myself on things I should outsource versus things that I should do myself. One of the best management books I've read says Anything that takes two minutes or less should be done by yourself instantly, but you do 50 times a day. But you do that 50 times a day, that's 10 hours a week, a full day. Um, Great question. So two big points there, and I agree with him. He said if it takes less than two minutes, do it yourself. Mark Cuban actually has um, an article that he wrote a while back, or I've, I've read some of his quotes and some of his tips. He says if something takes less than five minutes to do, do it now. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate, and do it yourself. Because we as humans are natural procrastinators, and if we put off a bunch of little tasks, by the end of a day or the end of the week, we have a lot of little tasks that end up becoming, you know, piled up to be a mountain. Um, so the two minutes is kind of similar to what he's saying, um, but that's loaded because an email takes less than two minutes, and some, you know, high-level professionals are like, we don't want to respond to emails. For me. I look at my hour as I got a certain worth to it. So I don't look at small tasks, really. I, and I'm bad. I mean, Lawrence is going to say this in a second. I'm notoriously bad at doing this. I'm bad at outsourcing. I'm bad at getting other people to do my work for me. I could probably do a better job of it. But any <laughs> business owner should know what their hour is worth. So let's say you make $200,000 a year. Your hour is worth about 100 bucks an hour. If you are spending your time doing things that you could pay somebody less an hour to do, pay somebody to do that stuff. But it also depends on your strengths and weaknesses. So one bone I have to pick with some real estate articles is real estate articles when you're building a team a lot of times say hire an assistant first, a buyer's agent second um, when you're starting your team. I think that's BS. I think it depends on who you are and what your strengths and weaknesses are. So if I'm the type of person that's very organized, I'm very quick at responding to my emails and I have systems, but I'm not good at taking buyers out or that's a part of my business that's very time consuming that doesn't let me go lead generate, then forget the assistant first, go get the buyer's agent. But if I'm the type of person that's okay taking the buyers out, but I'm very bad at the um, being organized, getting my marketing out, making sure I'm responsive to emails, then you're the type of person that should hire an assistant first, not a buyer's agent. So it's a loaded question and a great question. I think it depends on two things. One, obviously, what are you good at? What are you bad at? Because you want to hire your weakness. You want to hire somebody to better your weaknesses, I always say. You know, if you have certain weaknesses, hire somebody to cover those spots. And, um, focus on what your strengths are. So great question. um, But I'm open for advice from people on that. I mean, I'm notoriously bad at it. You know, I see Jeff is watching right now where Jeff and I are fantastic business partners. Um, You know, we have very opposite strengths in what we do. You know, he's very organized. He runs the back end of the company um, like a well-oiled machine, whereas I'm very good at coaching and training, kind of being a front person going out and uh, getting more business. So I've partnered up with somebody who has a, you know, it fills my weaknesses really, really well. And I think I probably feel his weakness as well. So um, hire somebody that, you know, outsource things that are your weaknesses to somebody who can do them better. But great question. And Lawrence, we, John and I were chatting a little bit about um, the topic. Jo- uh, Lawrence wants to chat about, um, kind of, Finding happiness, and it's, it's something we definitely want Lawrence to come on and talk about because, you're A, Lawrence, you're a rock star at it. He's been, you know, last five, six weeks, I've had tough five, six weeks. He's been kind of a good big brother to me, talking to me about that, the topic of happiness, and he just, uh, um, he, he, he's really good at it. So we got to have you on to talk about, you know, happiness and entrepreneurs. Um, Tim said, definitely need to be honest about your weaknesses to identify them. Yeah. Makes sense. Super smart point. you got to be self-aware. So one of the things you can't teach people in business is to be a self-aware human being. You know, you got to be really, really honest with yourself. I think when I was younger, I probably was not a self-aware guy. I probably didn't take a good look at myself and realize my strengths and weaknesses.
0: It's a maturity thing.
1: Yeah, it's a maturity thing. And over time, you don't have a choice. If you can't be honest with your good strengths and weaknesses and try to better your weaknesses, sure. well, you're either going to be mediocre or fail. Um, so you got to be very self-aware of what you suck at. I know what I suck at. I mean, I just, there is, there's <laughs> things I'm not good at in business and, right. you know, there's things I'm not good at at life and I'm just going to make sure that I hire people who are really good at that stuff. Sure. Or I'm going to focus some attention on trying to become as good as I can in those yeah, areas. Yeah, identify
0: and make progress. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like a if you're- A little bit re- at a time.
1: If you're not self-aware as a person, you're going to fall in a lot of different ways. You just got to be honest with yourself. Um, yeah, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got a lot of weaknesses. So good, good point on on Tim there. Absolutely. A lot of people are asking good questions.
0: Good deal. Um, Do you think uh, sometimes when it comes to goals that people set their goals too high and that if they stumble a little bit, all of a sudden it seems even higher and then it just becomes overwhelming? They just quit. I I know some people who will set these great goals but then from time to time they'll they'll stumble fall and then it just seems so insurmountable because the goal is already so high. High. And it's like, okay, you know, break it down like you were saying, week to week. But even just the overall goal, do you you, with the people you coach, do people put yeah, too much you know, pressure on themselves? So
1: this is a uh, – actually, I think it's originally Bill Gates' quote, and then Tony Robbins talks about it a lot. Everybody overestimates what they can achieve in a year and underestimates what they can achieve in a decade. Um, you know, An old business partner of mine used to say the same thing, and he used to coach it to us, and it's actually a, a great tip. And I feel like as humans – and I said this in my article too. Rome wasn't built overnight. You know, sometimes people set some lofty goals Mm -hmm. that they think they can achieve in a year, but they should probably be three or five year goals, really. Mm -hmm. What you gotta understand is I fail at my goals still now, even when I do the win the week because I set them a little bit too high. But I don't feel like I failed. It doesn't like crush me because I'm like, you know what? I'm more successful than I was last year or I'm better than I was yesterday. Evan Shai, who we had on, says, you know, be 1% better every day. You don't have to be 100% better the next day. I feel like as humans, we want everything so fast. So I'm okay with setting high goals as long as they're realistic. I coach a lot of agents who come in there and I will never set somebody's goals. So I tell them, you tell me your goals, we're going to work on breaking them down. Sometimes people come in with some crazy goals and I let them have it. And then when I see them get upset because they're not getting there, I let them know, listen, you set a really high goal. You're doing great. Don't feel bad about missing that goal. Just try to do that next year when you've, you've built a foundation. And that touches kind of on we've had a couple of guests talk about being able to deal with failure. I don't think failing is a bad thing. It doesn't mm. – again, as a kid, when I failed, I was – Depressed. I mean, if it's I the lost a basketball game right. when I used to play basketball, I used to be like, Holy shit, like my week sucks. We lost. Now I'm like, at least I was trying. Because if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with somebody setting a big goal, just being realistic about if you're not getting there, don't feel bad about yourself. And that's like what we touched on. You know, a lot of times people will not see things work and then their motivation drops dramatically. Right. And you got to put in perspective that. People have been doing this for a long time. Hamish, who's a really um, a guy I look up to a lot. He's the guy I told you I want to have on. He's in New York. He started a tech company, had a fitness company. He's like seven feet tall. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. gonna tag him in this because I, I saw to his post. Um, just a giant. He's like he put up a post today. I think he's like 311 pounds, and wow. he's built an incredible business for himself. And he came here. He lived in his car for a little while, and has built incredible businesses, and is on track to be. I mean, the sky's the limit. I mean, he just got, he was on a TV show. The uh, VCs granted him a ton of money, and he's working his butt off. Nice. But he put up a post yesterday, I think, that said people ask him all the time, how long have you been working out? And he goes, 20 years. And they always, like, kind of get shocked, thinking, oh, maybe it was two or three or four years. And he's like, "No, no, this didn't happen overnight. It's two decades. And Hamish's post reminded me of something the number one agent in Chicago said, Jeff Lowe, at a YPN breakfast. Somebody had asked him something along the lines of, you know, what separates you from, you know, other agents and how have you become so successful? And he says, I've been at this for 20 years consistently. And I feel like it's okay to set a goal to be him. Just don't think you're going to be him in a year. He's grinded for two decades. 20 years is a long time. I had a guy who reached out to me and he said, Mo, I love what you're doing. I want to be where you're at in two years. You know, that's my goal. I so, said, fantastic. It's taken mm. me 10. If you do it in two, kudos. Great. Good for you. Don't feel bad if you're not there. My first four, if somebody looked at my first four years, mm. I struggled my butt off. I was not, I mean, it's getting better every year, but I was pretty, you know, I had bouts where I had no success and it sucked. Right. But I kept grinding. And I feel like that's the difference between somebody who's eventually gonna make it and somebody who's not, is they let the small failures
0: or not reaching their goals really affect them so dramatically. So when it comes to the realtors, and setting goals, do they? It's a it's a broad stroke question, yeah. but is it primarily financial, or is it number of listings, or good question? It, a little bit of both.
1: So I a lot of times, realtors say, "I want to sell X million dollars," because you know, eight million dollars in Chicago gets at least the last couple of years makes you a top producer in okay. the Chicago Association of Realtors. I think that makes you in the top ten percent. Um, Some people say I want to make my first hundred grand or a hundred thousand in gross commission, so I want to do four million dollars in sales because four million times two and a half percent is a hundred thousand roughly. Um, And then some people, you know, give me a number. What I then do with realtors is I find out how many transactions, because the average sales price across the State is two hundred and fifty thousand. Chicago's two seventy one. Okay. But I use two fifty as a number because if you use the lesser number and you hit your goals and your average is you're higher, ahead. it's like you're like a guy like Jeff Lowe's like one point two million dollar averages. But the average agent, you know, I base it off two hundred and fifty thousand. So if you right. want to do four million in sales, two hundred fifty thousand dollar average sales price, you got to do sixteen transactions. So now I've broken your goal down into sixteen transactions. Right. But how are you going to get to sixteen transactions? Statistics say, and these are not my statistics, these are like NAR statistics, that 30% of warm leads close. And I won't define what a warm lead is, but I tell the realtors what a warm lead is. So you multiply 16 times three, you get 48 warm leads a year. You need 48 warm leads a year to close 4 million in sales. And I break that down into what do you gotta do every week? Well, 48 divided by 52 is almost one. You're gonna take some vacation time. You need one warm lead a week. If you wanna do 8 million, you need two warm leads a week. Then we talk about what you have to do to actually go get the leads. But now you know, if I did not get a warm lead this week, I lost the week. Next week I gotta get two. You know, you gotta carry it on. I actually tell our agents, you gotta get a calendar and you gotta know every week, did you hit your lead goal? If you did not hit your lead goal, next week that carries over. You gotta do a little more work. I tell realtors, Wednesday is a very pivotal day for me. If on Wednesday I look and I have not hit my lead goals, well shit, I gotta do some stuff. I gotta do open houses on the weekend. I gotta reach out to FSBOs, whatever I gotta do because some of that time stuff takes scheduling. So you gotta be, although you break your goals down into what you have to do every week, you have to be very conscious of it every day. Like every night, my night ritual for people who are not in my office so my office people know that is I send all my clients' properties. I go back to 12 o'clock the day before, so midnight. I respond to any emails that I had missed that I need to respond to so that everybody gets a response. I put five things in my phone that I gotta do the next day and I got to do a million things the next day typically, but if I don't do those five things, I don't go back to sleep. So, and that recycles every day. I got to race through it. So, although, and those five things are things that are getting me closer to my goals typically. So, um, you just got to break them down. But, good question. What I end up doing is half the people say a dollar amount, half the people say a production amount, and then I have to break that down into, You have one goal, it's eight million dollars. Then you have another goal, how many transactions you gotta do. Then you have another goal, how many leads do you need every single year? How many leads you need every single week? And then what do you do every day to get to those leads? And I feel like that's the missing piece for realtors, for those of you listening who are in a rut, is it's an eight week course. So people take an eight week class and like, oh my god, I'm licensed now, what the hell do I do now? And then they don't think of themselves as a business owner, they think of themselves as salespeople you are not really in the business of sales because a house is too expensive to just sell to somebody. If you put me on a sales floor, if you sent me to suit supply, hey, I'm not tall enough to work there, those guys are tall and (laughs) handsome, but they're salesmen and they're good. Like I don't need another suit, but I go in there and they get me to buy a suit. I don't need crazy looking shoes, but they got me to buy them because they (laughs) sold me on them.
0: Now I definitely want to see the pictures. Yeah,
1: but (laughs) if, I was the best salesman in the world and you don't want to buy a house, I'm not gonna be able to sell you on that. I'm lead generating, so I'm a business owner. Realtors miss that piece. And as a business owner, you need to lead generate all the time and you need to have a plan. So I did a business plan for my realtors because I'm like, you guys are business owners. You're not just salespeople. And a good business that's successful, they have business plans. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've restructured the way I coach and train. I think realtors, if you're listening and you're in a rut, call me. Even if you're not at Main Street, call me. I said it in my article. You don't have to come to Main Street. I'll sit down with you for an hour. I'm passionate about it. I've done it with agents at other offices who just come to me and they're like, hey, can you just break my goals down? And I'll break them down for you, give you
0: some tips, and then go on and do your thing. It's giver's gain you know, for me. We should, we should do a roundtable on that here. Yeah, Maybe we should. a few people that come to you that would be comfortable sitting in the studio yeah. and, and just sort of going back and forth and soaking in what you're telling them, but asking questions and whether we record it or just do it live, probably record it, Yeah, make sure everybody's good with everything and then release it, that might be an interesting.
1: Yeah, I would, I would love to do it. I, I'm passionate about that piece of it. I feel like very few realtors get it and then very few realtors are okay doing it long enough to be successful and the sure. ones that do just kill it. I mean, real estate is the only thing I know with an eight week course that can actually go and make somebody uh, seven figure income every year. there's nothing else out there. Barring going and like inventing an app or a tech or uh, an invention, right. There's nothing else with an eight-week course that can make you a millionaire every single year because there's so much real estate out there to sell. Sure. and it's Realtors think it's easy. It's not easy. Everybody who comes in and says, oh, you know, I heard real estate's pretty easy. I'm like, you're nuts, it's not easy, it's <laughs> simple. And easy and simple are two totally separate things that people mix up. I concur. The path to success in real estate is really, 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 really simple. It's not rocket science. If I was sitting in a room full of like brain surgeons, I probably wouldn't succeed. They're probably all smarter than me. Um, so you just gotta learn the things that make you successful and then work really hard at them. That's what, sure. I'm. In, in the who's who thing, I said, you know, there's people who beat me on talent every day. On hard work, I control that. I'm not going to let somebody outwork me. And that, I think, is a bigger success piece in business is work ethic over just sheer intelligence. I mean, shit, if you got work ethic and you're super smart, then then you win. You yeah. But if I had to pick one or the other to be on my team, I'm picking work ethic all day long. Especially in real estate because I don't have to teach them something that's like mind-blowing and sure. difficult to conceptualize.
0: You can't teach work ethic. It, it's ingrained in people or it's not. There's people have facts in the book that they can read and absorb and get to know, but that drive yeah. it's just it's a great it. or it's not
1: Yeah. So we got a clap from Diane Wells. Thank you. That's my sister. Round of applause. Hello, thank, Diane. You, thank you. Lawrence Dunning said, uh, Stephen Covey said in his seven habits of highly successful people, good book. I've read that. The most successful people do quote important things that aren't urgent before urgent things that aren't important. One of the hardest things for us in real estate to do as clients quote, noise makes us focus too up. Oh, one went away. Somebody liked it. Uh, as clients quote, noise makes us focus too much on the important things that aren't necessarily urgent in the big picture. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, it's the 80, 20 rule is an incredible thing for people to learn. of what you do produces 80% of your results. 80% of what you do produces 20% of your results. And in real estate, Lawrence is talking about the urgency. People are constantly wanting you to be urgent with things, quick with things. But I see realtors all the time get busy in the summers, like really busy in spring and summers. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so busy, I'm kicking butt. And then they forget the 20% that produced the 80% results. They're working in their business, not on their business. And one of the biggest mistakes I see in decent agents that don't end up becoming like the killer rainmakers is mm-hmm. they get really busy and they forget to lead generate. They mm-hmm. forget the important stuff because they feel busy, and everything in real estate lags. You know, closings are 60 days out. You know, they're 45 days out. So your efforts are very lagged, and that's another part of where real estate hurts people's motivation is, you're working hard, and I hear realtors say, I've worked hard for four or five months and nothing's working, I'm like, it is. The people who need you don't need you yet. So your efforts are working, because if you work long hours at a normal job, you either get somebody that comes and pats you on the back and says, hey, great work, buddy, you've done a great job, or here's bonus, or here's overtime pay. Right. You don't get that in a business, and a lot of times your efforts are lagged, so all of a sudden you're working hard on lead generating, Nothing's happening, then everything happens. and You're like, holy shit, like I'm kicking butt. And then you forget that you got to do that continue. 20% that produces 80% right? of your results. And that's why you see realtors have these like ups and downs in business. Um, you know, if you look at like winter months where people are like, oh my God, real estate dies in winter, it goes down a little. But look at like a real estate ace. Uh, shout out to like Matt Laracy. You know, like mm-hmm. guy's a killer. But if you look at his marketing, he never stops. He's kicking butt all year long. So maybe his business drops a hair in the winter, but he doesn't go to zero because even when his office is busy all spring and summer, he's not forgetting to lead generate. And that's, if I could give real estate agents an advice, even if you're busy right now and you feel like you're kicking butt, do not forget about the 20% that produces 80% of your results because look at that stuff because it really makes a big, big difference. It's amazing that... Shout out to Catherine, by the way, because Catherine's watching. Hey, Catherine, if you're watching, we just gave a shout out to Matt, um, <laughs> you know, just a couple seconds before she works with uh,
0: Matt. Yeah. So, shout out to you guys. Small business owners across the board uh, fall in under that same umbrella. I deal with a lot of small business owners, put together marketing campaigns, um, and I always I have a 90 60 30 uh, that I adhere to. And people will, I, I was in an office a couple weeks ago, let's say. And I'm looking, I'm, okay, we're in July, we should already be well past Labor Day with our marketing, uh, not the efforts necessarily, but putting together a game of uh, plan of action. And whatever is taking place today should have been planned in April. I watched the the gentleman take a black marker uh, to a whiteboard and write out things that for the next like 12 days, and they had places they had to be, people they had to bring on board. And he's like, okay, that's our marketing. And I just, it drives me nuts. It's like, okay, you are day-to-day. You should be doing the day-to-day stuff. And I understand small businesses, there's constantly fires you have to put out and employees you have to deal with. And a lot of them are not making a lot of money, so they're not always coming in on time, whatever that situation is. But whether you're a realtor or a small business owner in a brick and mortar, get yourself 90 days out. I mean, you have to look forward, you have to do your day to day, and I know you have uh, what you do every single night before you go to sleep. And that's something that people should be doing all the time, and make sure that you're out so that you can plan, and then start the, the the putting together of your plan, and then at 30 days out, from whatever that situation is, you should be marketing, marketing, marketing. You shouldn't be talking about it still. You should be already locked in, loaded, and really, Advertising, whatever it is they're going to be doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. I see a lot of people who have great ideas, and then they just don't create action. I mean, uh, an idea is fantastic if you don't have any action; it's a, a useless and be a waste of your mind power. Right. Um. I, you know, a lot of times that takes a good team too. You know, um, I have an incredible team at my office. You know, from Rita to Laura to Paul to Jeff to me to everybody in the office, just make sure we have our goals align too. You know, you, you have a 90 day goal, you better make sure everybody's goals align. And yeah, you know, a lot of times you wake up and, you know, I'm, I'm lucky, so I have no staffing issues. Like, a, a, I'm very blessed, you know, at, at both uh, Main Street and then Dot Kalaw with Tim and Ali, they're just rock stars, they're out of closings right now, kicking butt, okay. um, taking names, I'm very lucky there. But we've had times where we've had bad hires who just don't show up, who don't, you know, do things. But you as the kind of top of the food chain in an office and I don't want to say it like it's arrogant but like the person who the buck stops at you you have to make sure that people are creating action if, if things are not happening you, got, you gotta you gotta, gotta change that office dynamic a little bit uh, but I agree your marketing and your thoughts of what you want to do like we're planning things that are exactly 30 60 90 days out right you know, we can't plan something for next year yet we have ideas of what we want to do But we have to constantly evolve. I mean, real estate is a tough game because it's a little archaic in the way we sometimes lead generate. But the players, the newest players in real estate are really, I want to say like fashion forward. And they make you stay on your A game. Mm -hmm. You know, people poo-poo Redfin even sometimes now. And I'm like, listen, like you don't love their model that's one thing but they're making us evolve they're going to keep everybody on their toes you know maybe you don't like the fact that you don't think they're full service or whatever and i know real estate brokers are just shitting on them left and right i don't love the way they handle their you know the properties but i I get what they're doing and i I don't dislike them for the industry i think they came in they disrupted the industry and they said it's archaic and we're going to change this shit and the consumers are starting to like it. So we as realtors have to show that we have a value to give that maybe they don't. And if we can't, we're dead. You know, I, um, So I don't poo-poo them. If you cannot show your value, you're screwed. And b- the players are changing and they're becoming more evolved and technologically advanced. So you know, I, I feel bad for realtors that were doing the same thing 15, 20 years ago and they're doing it now and you know, it's tough it to teach, doesn't, doesn't you know, work. touch new trick, teach new tricks to them. I don't want to say old dogs new tricks because there's some young people who are right. been doing it for 15 years. But you have got to evolve.
0: So, for those who don't know, I, I know I've seen signs around, but I don't really know the structure of Redfin. What is it they do? Who? So uh, people so have an Red, idea. My
1: Redfin buddies, because I have got a couple of them that are Facebook friends, are probably going to correct me in the comment section. But uh, correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, correct me, so I don't, I don't want to be miss, misspeak, but. Redfin showing agents are on salary. So they're not commission based like me or uh, some of the other realtors watching. So they're on salary. They go from showing to showing to showing to showing and they do showings and they have a salary. So their earning potential is definitely nowhere close to like a good realtor. It's capped. It's very capped. I mean, okay. they, they can go up, but nothing for, for the amount of time, full time they work, mm. a full service realtor. Who knows what they're doing will blow them earning wise out of the water. But you have the security of having a a paycheck. paycheck. So, you know, like somebody who's got a family and, you know, they want to go there and make that income and they're like, hey, listen, like, uh," or doesn't have a family and I'm happy with this, it's fine. You do not build the intimacy or knowledge with your client that a full service realtor does, it just doesn't happen. I don't care what anybody from Redfin says. You know, I know my clients because I go on every showing with them. I am at my, you know, my agents are at my listings. We, we have a much more intimate relationship with our clients. So I don't want to go as far as calling them a discount broker because there's discount brokers that don't give a shit and they just put something on the MLS for 500 bucks and hope it sells. That's not them. I don't think that's them at all. But their agents are salaried. Um, I don't think their level of training, I mean, there's some brokerages that don't train their agents, so maybe their level of training's higher. I'm gonna be biased and say, they are nowhere near our level of training at Main Street. Um, so they don't have that level of training, especially on the business side of things. And they started off as a search engine. I mean, brilliant company. You know, they were a search engine, realized, wow, we got so many people searching on our site, and then they carved out a brokerage from that. So originally, they were a search engine. You just search for properties online, on Redfin. And then all of a sudden they popped up as a brokerage and now they're doing this 1% listing fee, which isn't really a 1% listing fee. There's a lot that goes into that. (laughs) It's a different price point. But um, I give them all the credit in the world. You know, they're publicly traded. They're brilliant. They're very smart. Um, I don't think they're as good as a full-service realtor. Um, There might be agents there that are really good. I know a couple agents there that are really good agents that went there to have a salary, you know, because they were grinding their teeth in the non-salaried world of real estate, and they had families, and they are really good at what they do, and I think they're too good for those positions, and I, I feel for those two guys, and if they listen, they're friends of mine, so they're probably seeing this, I feel like they were just a little bit away from it breaking for them and kicking butt, but I totally understand what they're doing there, sure. because you got a family, you got to take care of your family, sure. and that's a salary, and um, I get it. So. Um, I don't hate them. I don't love them. I don't think they're
0: as good as the full-service realtor. That's a good full-service realtor. So just to follow up uh, again with that, uh, you, you still have to be licensed? Yes, you are still licensed. So you have to know all the ins and outs mm-hmm. of real estate? Well, when you well, get licensed, you uh, don't know jack shit usually. <laughs> yeah. You
1: got an eight-week course, they tell you. So Paul in our office laughs. She goes, if Mo took the licensing test today, he'd get a 20%. She's probably right. I'd probably fail miserably. It's a lot of like license, like uh Agent, uh, the agency law, I would do okay. Do's okay. and don'ts. How big is an acre? I don't know, 45, 6-ish thousand right. feet. But all the numbers look the same, so I'd probably pick the wrong one. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, so beyond that, beyond yeah. that, though, as far as having to be licensed, is it? do you know? Do they get paid like per showing? Is it more or less the more showings they have showings a base
1: salary, I think, and I don't know this exactly, but I think they got a okay. base salary, and then uh, you have a certain number of showings. But if you do a certain number of deals, I think you get paid a little bit more. But nothing like realtors do. John, uh, our buddy John has a great question. Um, clients always think they can get great deals from foreclosures, like it's 2013 or I think even 2012, but it seems that banks aren't letting go of properties at massive discounts anymore. Any advice to explain this better to clients who are only interested in foreclosures because they think they will get a steal? It's a really good, loaded question, and I'll answer pretty quickly because it looks like you and I did an hour almost. Oh, I got a couple more questions. Sweet. Um, so. The real estate market crashed in 2008-ish and then 2008-9. And then in 2013, early in 2013, it went up. And you had that window there where it was like the the recent Great Depression of real estate. I was a foreclosure defense attorney, still am. We just don't do as many of them. And in that era, banks were giving amazing deals on homes. But think about the bank's mindset there. So a foreclosure defense attorney can defend a foreclosure for anywhere from... You know, a year and a half to six, seven, eight years if the bank's making mistakes. Um, The real estate market was tanking and nobody knew where the bottom was. So in Mm -hmm. 2010 or 11, whether it was giving a short sale or the bank owned it already and needed to offload it, banks are not in the business of holding properties. So they said, man, if we hold this property for another even two, three months now that we own it, or if we're in a foreclosure situation, it might take two, three years, where the hell is this thing going to be worth when it sells? Right. So let's get this damn thing off the books. Let's sell it. So they were giving discounts like crazy. So you could get a fantastic deal on a short sale or a foreclosure in that window because banks are intelligent. They don't want they don't know where the bottom is. They don't want to lose a ton of money, so they just got rid of properties. Now, property values are on the up and up. They're on the rise. So banks again, they're still not in the business of holding properties, but they're not idiots. They know if they hold it out a little bit longer, it's not a depreciating asset, it's it currently may. an appreciating asset. Right. So the deals aren't as good. So, what I explain to people who are looking for a deal, want a foreclosure or a short sale or something where they can value at. A, not all short sales and foreclosures are in terrible shape. B, look at everything. You know, sometimes the best deal is not a foreclosure. You're looking for, instead of foreclosure or short sale, you should say something distressed. You mm-hmm. know, somebody who might have a property that needs a lot of work, and they just don't have enough money to do the work, and it's getting to become cumbersome to them, and maybe it's even paid off cash. They're never going to go in foreclosure, but it's got a lot of work. That's a distressed situation for that individual, and they might be willing to let it go. So anytime somebody comes to me now and says, Mo, I heard you did foreclosures. I'm sure you have access to great foreclosures. Help me find a foreclosure. I tell them, guys, The deals aren't like they were in 2008 through 12 because of this downturn isn't there anymore. It's an uptick and banks aren't stupid. Let me look at everything and we'll find you the best deal on the entire market, not just short sales and foreclosures. So great question, John. Happens to me at least once a month where someone's like, Mo, can you get me a great deal on a foreclosure? And I'm like, I can. But let me look at everything else as well. So
0: sweet question. Very good. Uh, I had a big long conversation yesterday. With a gentleman that owns a solar install company. When it comes to solar in Illinois, you know everybody knows the winters, the clouds, da da da. Um, but I know the technology is constantly evolving, oh, right. and and the amount of energy that the solar panels can take in when it is sunny and it doesn't need it doesn't need to be a bright sun, just UV rays. Um, does it add value if somebody's going to sell a, let's say they're going to sell the house or they're thinking okay we're going to do a solar system uh, panels uh when that comes on the market when the house goes on the market do you s- foresee that being a an upsell in other words are there is there a market for it where people are going to say oh wow okay i know that the as far as the the, the home, it's tech. a little bit more yeah it's a little more than i thought but with that savings I don't
1: think that a solar panel alone is going to get somebody to buy that house over another one in general yet, but there is a gigantic push for green tech mm-hmm. um, and people are starting to advertise in remarks you know uh, a green home you know they have you know green furnaces, green this green that um, and smart homes too, smart home stuff comes into that as well, um, so I don't think it's going to make a gigantic difference in selling I think if two homes were even, somebody will take that. Even if they don't really care for it, I think it makes people feel better that they're taking care of the environment. But you, the solar panel thing, you, you brought up something that I read, it touched on something I read. So Elon Musk is working on solar paneled roofs. So mm-hmm. that's his kind of like next big play other than SpaceX is to build these roofs that have solar panels on them. And what I heard they're working on is making it so the roof lasts as long as a normal roof and its replacement cost is equal to a current like shingled wow. roof. If he can do that, he will blow everybody income-wise out of the water because sure. everybody, when they want to replace a roof, that is like, well, shoot, why don't we just put this roof on? It's got the right. same warranty as a normal roof. Mm-hmm. It's saving energy. It's green. And it lasts as long and it costs the same. So everybody's going to do it. So I feel like... Most people, unless they're assholes, would care to save the earth, so I think they would like it, but I, I don't think myself even, I would overpay for that yet, or pick it because it had that, yet. Okay. Um, I think if it was something that, because again, they don't power the house completely. If they power the house completely, where I would like, advise my client, I would say, okay, listen, if your utility bills were going to be 200 and you dropped it by $100 a month every month, $100 on your mortgage payment is roughly $20,000. Mm-hmm. So I think this house is worth $20,000 more than the other house. Because I tell everybody who buys, don't just look at the purchase price of the house. Look at how much the house costs you per month. Mm-hmm. So if condos in Chicago, if Oof. you have two condos, they're 300000 each, but one of them has an assessment that's 500000 and one has an assessment that's 1000 that mm-hmm. extra $500 a month is the equivalent of $100,000 on your mortgage. I'd rather pay my mortgage down. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at the overall payment of the home. So if you can bring the utility bills down so dramatically that it makes a meaningful change on your monthly payment, then yes, maybe. But it depends on if it can do that. I don't know how much these solar panels actually bring the price of homes down right now uh, or pi- price of utilities down. But if they do, I think that's the metric I would use. Good question. Hey, thanks. Hey, <laughs> got a lot of good questions. Got another one? Yeah, no, man. I'm about out. All right, cool. I mean, that was crazy because we started the show like about two minutes before the show started. We got the uh, text message that the other guest wasn't going to be able to make it. And yeah. our first guest uh, just kind of bailed on us. And we're like, well, what do we do? We're just going to run with this thing. Sure. And it turned out into being one of our cool back and forth shows. And yeah, I think absolutely. we gave everybody a good... I mean, we're here to help entrepreneurs. We got a lot of realtors watching. I think we mm-hmm. gave a lot of good advice to them. And uh, yeah, I think we
0: never did good. When you're busy, always remember when you're not busy. And keep working as though you're not busy. And you'll get busier. 96 yeah. to
1: It's uh. Rome wasn't built overnight. Um, it was not? Every successful business owner you look at, from a Bill Gates to a Elon Musk to lower level people that you look up to, mm. you know, they have been grinding for a long time, a very, very long time. They have failed mm. multiple times over. They have had moments where their motivation is crap. Sure. They have had mo- moments where they're like, I wanna quit. They've had moments where they felt broke, all these things have happened to, uh, you know, everybody who's got any level of success. So don't feel bad when it's happening to you. The difference between them and the people who aren't successful now and quit is they just didn't take the failure and let it destroy them. They just kept moving forward. I so, could agree more. Um,
0: Real quick before yep. we go, I do actually have one more question. HGTV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all shows where they take a shithouse and make it into a palace. Yeah with commercials in the middle in about 30 minutes. Do you think they had the expectations of people that oh, yeah. oh we should be able to do this and, yeah, well, and, and deal yeah. with contractors, how come it's taking so long and the price, I mean the price is never really talked yeah. about on those shows. I mean it's crazy, like uh,
1: everybody watches HGTV and thinks they can flip homes. Yeah. So my investor coaching and training session always tells um, our agents, um, find out what kind of real estate investor your person wants to be. Mm-hmm. Nine out of 10 times they wanna flip because they watch HGTV. And I tell them flipping is not easy. It's just not. You know, you have to have the right crew and all that stuff. It's difficult, especially in this market when acquisition costs are high. Even renovating your home, I was way under budget. I went way over budget. I way underestimated what I was gonna do and I have a pretty decent knowledge. The thing with those shows are a lot of that stuff is a discounted to them because if you see at the end it runs in the credits like thank you to whatever oh, so of course a lot of it's gifted sure. um, and then you watch things like flip or flop with like Christina and Tarek that's like a popular one they've right. been doing it for a long time if you actually look them up they're actually when they were married now they're divorced they were fairly successful at flipping properties for a very long time so I think a lot of people watch these shows and they think oh my god all of a sudden I can do this Right? Um, and then you HGTV you have like House Hunters where you see all those memes where it's like uh, you know I, I you know uh, i'm a librarian and you know my husband you know stays at home and plays video games and our budget is six million dollars you know <laughs> there's all these crazy things you see on hgtv um right. jeff my business partner was on hgtv uh for house hunters and uh no knock on house hunters but no. the the house hunters thing is it's the people who are buying the house have already found their house they've already, they've already got it. it yeah there's two decoy houses mm-hmm. and i never thought about that but i always a- afterwards i'm like Yeah, they always get the house they wanted. That doesn't happen in real life. There's multiple offer situations. They don't take your offer, but they always get the house they wanted because two of the homes are decoy houses. And it's, um, but it's all fun. I mean, that's what TV's for. But yeah, I get so many people who watch and say, I want to flip properties. And I'm like, and I'm sure if Lawrence is still watching, he's like, yeah, it's not as easy as you think. Um, It's definitely not as easy as you think. But if you guys ever want to invest in properties, shoot me a call. You know, I'll chat with anybody and help them out. And even realtors, if you, uh, you don't know how to deal with investor clients one last tip to realtors before we go the average home buyer seller Buy and sells every five to seven years. Chicago, five because we're in an area where people outgrow condos and move quickly. But right. across the nation, it's seven. Mm-hmm. The average investor buys every 18 months. So realtors cool. all the time miss the piece of marketing to investors because they're afraid. They, f- they feel like they don't have the knowledge to talk to a real estate investor. They don't learn about cap rates, cash and cash returns, all that good jazz. Mm-hmm. And so because they're shy and afraid of it, they don't actually market to those people, but they buy three times more than the average home buyer seller does. So um, definitely, and I want to have Ryan Foley on. You know, We've been trying to get Foley on for a little bit to talk about his uh, flipping stuff as well. But, yeah, uh, how's that coming? Uh, good. I've got to reach out to him. Lawrence is watching, so Lawrence will have to wrangle Foley on here because he's, <laughs> he's done this really, really well. Maggie said, seriously, great show, guys. We did good. Yeah, not too bad. It's probably because you and I just can talk and talk and talk and talk and just talk never and shut talk up.
0: Talk. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, uh, so next week, for all you dog lovers out there, we're having a lady named Donna Santucci. She is awesome. She's high energy. She's funny. She's a dog lover. And she's an entrepreneur. She owns cool. a business called Fido to Go. And it is an artisan food truck for canines. Very and cool. And she goes around Chicago. She goes to different festivals and stuff. But on Wednesday, she's over, uh, over by Erie Street Cafe because there's a dog park right there yeah. and everything. And I would always see, and I stopped and talked to her. And I, t- I told her I was enamored with the idea, and she told me a little bit about how she came to the idea and so on and so forth. I can't wait for her to tell the story next uh, next week. Not next year, next week. Uh, and we also have a lady named, I am I'm might butcher the last name, Jessica Gartenstein. I'm going to go with that for now. Uh, in Foods, it is a banana-based ice cream for cool. people who are... Uh, the whole dairy situation and and you know calories and so on and so forth and it's fantastic. I we're gonna have samples. Uh, um, so yeah,
1: I was gonna say hopefully we should I, bring I samples. I got no dairy problem, but I'll eat anything that's ice right, cream. Right,
0: right, right. Um, what is that that I'm trying to do? A, gl- a gluten?
1: No, no, gluten? no uh, uh, not dairy. Uh, yeah, yeah, usually have a dairy allergy.
0: Yeah. Whatever the, it's, yeah, there, whatever there's the a name to it. There's a and thing,
1: you get the poops. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it sucks for those people that can't enjoy ice
0: cream. I concur, I but concur. Um, so we're gonna have an alternative cool. here. Uh, so come hungry, yeah, and, that's awesome.
1: Uh, I mean, I, obviously, I'm a dog lover.
0: Um, I've, like, I've my, seen that on Instagram, my, my boy. I'm gonna uh, see if we can wrangle in some, some treats for him. Yeah, here, that'd be here. awesome. Yeah,
1: um, and then I like ice cream, so that'll be fun,
0: man nirvana next week yeah i'm excited <laughs> hopefully
1: they both show up um iris the dog wants them yeah food oh my tim. buddy tim yeah
0: iris re- <laughs> i'll bring some out next uh, next time i'm out there tim awesome <laughs>
1: well thanks guys for listening um hope this was helpful i i had fun doing this for an hour um next wednesday three o'clock same Two time same place Follow us on A Wheelhouse, please. We're going to be working on getting audio of this stuff so we can have kind of the podcast feel so you guys can download mm-hmm. our audio. We're going to go on YouTube. Uh, we're evolving. So please like us, share us, comment, tell your friends about us, and we'll see you guys next Thursday, uh, next Wednesday at 3. Next Wednesday
0: at 3. Wednesday.
1: Oh, he said lactose intolerant. That's what Lactose it is. intolerant. Yeah, we what it goofed is. up. Lactose All intolerant. Right. Thanks, Thanks, Tim.
0: <laughs> All right. And three, two. One, out.